Good evening and welcome to Screen Tone Club. This is episode 62 being recorded on the 18th of October 2020 for release on the 27th of October 2020. My name is Elliot Page and I'm joined as always by my lovely co-host Mr Andy Hanley. How you doing Andy? I'm somewhat confident in saying that I am alive and I will go no further with that. (laughs) Well it's good to you know under promise and over deliver I believe the phrasing (laughs) is isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we we shall we shall see how alive I continue to be during this podcast. But uh, I've I've got I've got caffeine here, so we're we're good, we're fine, everything's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, it's dangerous. I have, I have re- I so old man alert. But basically, I switched to decaf a few years ago, and recently I figured, ah, eh, you know, I'll buy a monster energy drink and try that because I wanted to get some stuff done. And holy shit, I was wired. Like, oh god, how do how do people do drink these with any regularity? <laughs> like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, I had my first experience with that like uh, about like eighteen months ago, where I've, I've never done energy drinks, and yeah, like. You know, long story short, like it was, it was a busy weekend. I had had zero sleep, and it's like, okay, well, this doesn't seem like such a bad idea. And then within minutes, like, oh, this is a really bad idea. Like, yeah, likewise, I don't understand how people can do that. Yeah, I was kind of inured to it when I was in university and kind of on caffeine on the reg because I was bad at time management. Um, but yeah, it was it was pretty gnarly. Where after a while, the amount of work output collapsed because i was too busy thinking about my heart exploding because i was like man this doesn't feel right (laughs) yeah this Um, is not this is not how a human body is supposed to operate yeah true um i can't think of a segue so we're just going to move on (laughs) sorry um but this is your fortnightly look at manga um which is well it can be pulse pounding sometimes we read something that's pretty intense if you like what we're doing here, you can support us on Patreon. Patreon is how it supports the podcast and also pays for the manga we read, etc., etc. And for that, you get bonus episodes, one a month. And if you support us at the $3 and up tier, you get to choose what our bonus episode for a month is. Um, this month, the vote has not gone to a light novel. Thank you, everyone. Um, but we have been picked um, Laidback Camp, which I'm looking forward to reading again, because I've already read it before and watched actually part of the anime. I think it's one of the few anime I've watched in the last five years. But yeah, laid back camp, perhaps unseasonably cold for it. But then again, I think most of that happens out of season anyway. So perfectly fitting um, bit of uh, manga there to read. Yeah, um, yeah, for, for for sure. I'm I'm looking laid back is what I need right now. And yeah, I seem to recall there being lots of lots of nice coats in laid back camp from the anime that I watched, and and it is definitely good coat weather at the moment. Oh yeah, it's extremely snug, um, comfy. I believe the phrasing is also lots of good food. So all manga is cooking manga as always. Um, also on the Patreon bent, um, shout outs to Mr. Rob Jessup who supports us at the twelve dollar tier. Thank you ever so much, Rob. Much appreciated. And so moving on to the main part of the actual podcast, um, we've got returning champions where we talk about series that we've discussed previously on the podcast that we've carried on in our own time. And so first and foremost, we kind of like lampshaded this previously anyway, but I read through the rest of The Golden Sheep, which I believe was our last episode, and I've read episodes... Um, volumes two and three of that did you read any of this andy i did yes as promised like i was chomping at the bit to devour the rest of this series and yeah pretty much as soon as we were done with recording of the episode where we discussed volume one i was right on that and so yes i have also read all of it cool i'm really curious to hear what you think about it because for me um it kind of petered out a bit um volume two was strong although not quite as vibrant as volume one like volume one is a still a banger like it doesn't ruin anything that came before but 
volume two and volume three, um, especially volume three, it kind of petered out for me. Um, unsurprisingly, once they teased all the characters apart and they had their individual storylines, it kind of lost the coherency and the drive and the constant ongoing pacing that was pushing you forward in that series. And especially because the storylines become kind of fractured and individual, um, that it somewhat just loses its coherence and its strength, um, especially with Alice, um, the black haired girl who kind of like, she kind of almost becomes an afterthought, even though she's still extremely like plot load bearing and important to the emotional weight of that series. And it still has like some great moments, some great character moments, some great development, um, some really painful stuff that happens. But the whole thing feels like it somewhat gets away with itself with taking what was an extremely, extremely strong um, start in the first volume and kind of getting it over the finish line or kind of, um, you know, bringing it to a conclusion and sort of taking what it had and like just, you know, uh, sorry, the phrase has lost me. I've lost the phrase, but, you know, sort of resolving it. That's the word, resolving it. I don't know about you, Andy, but yeah, it was by the end, I was kind of like, oh, that was good. But like, it didn't, it, it, it kind of like started the best stuff was at the start. And then after that, it kind of just eked out and petered out. And by the end I was like, yeah, that was, that was fine. But I didn't quite, you know, didn't quite follow through or pay off quite as I was hoping, given how powerful it was at the start. I don't know if you felt the same, Andy. Uh, I I mean, I think volume one is definitely its strongest material. Like, you know, that's where it, it has a lot to work with and a lot to kind of, you know, clue the, the reader in on. Um, yeah, I know. I, I enjoyed the other, the other two volumes a lot. Like, I, but I think mostly because I was so invested in the characters and kind of seeing what their direction of travel was going to be like and where they ended up. Like, and I, I feel like if there's one thing those volumes does well, it's it's working through all of that stuff. Um, and it certainly, yeah, it it has some some really good kind of big heavy hitting moments. But I feel like it has a, a relatively kind of quiet and subtle way of kind of working through all of its problems um, and kind of, you know, all of the characters got just enough sort of time to sort of grow and figure out, you know, that how to at least sort of work with their problems that I, I was sort of pretty satisfied by the end of it. I mean, I, I think you're right, like, weirdly sort of Alice does get the short shrift in that story because she kind of becomes so kind of split away from everybody else for a chunk of the series, which which is really strange given that that's her whole kind of hang up is that like, you know, she's the one that's been left behind. And it's also like the story, the story covers that, but it also almost like falls into the same trap of leaving her behind somewhat. Um, but no, I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I would definitely highly recommend it to people still like I, I think it's a really good kind of character drama and i did just really enjoy watching those characters kind of figuring a whole bunch of of stuff out about themselves along the way yeah i mean a bit like i was not expecting it to end in such a positive way i mean it's not like it's all sunshine and rainbows everyone gets a puppy um although there is a puppy involved but you know it doesn't you know it does end with some hard lessons for people um including with some stuff that appears to be they can't really take back i must admit like as you say like sally kind of gets left with nothing to do um towards the end and then it puts her back in the story thankfully in a good way to unify things and also i must admit by the end i was kind of fed up with sora who kind of almost had the most growth and or to do or most more stuff to do and there were still some great moments like when he like stands up straight in front of the um croquet store which is an amazing moment and like a really good sort of sea change that then kind of just doesn't really 
resolve or develop from there. And even at the end of the volume, he's kind of just sort of like mumbling by the end. And it's like, ah, I was hoping like, I wasn't expecting you to become like Lord High Chancellor, but I was hoping you'd do something more. Um, but as you say, it's kind of, I'm still positive on the series. I still think it was a good read. It was still a nice series. I'm glad I read it. But after the first volume being such a goddamn hot banger, it, you know, it's just kind of a case of going from, you know, 10 out of 10 to seven and a half out of 10 rather than going to four. So yeah, yeah. I'm, my highly I, I, unscientific scale there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think it's the kind of series where it's, it's hard for it to keep up that cadence because I think if you tried to do that for three volumes, you just end up in big kind of kitchen sink melodrama territory. And so I think, I think I almost appreciate the way that, you know, after all the kind of massive, events that happen in the first volume i kind of almost appreciate it taking like a slightly quieter tone because you know when you're working through stuff like that it's like you know it it isn't that every day is a massive drama like there is a whole bunch of periods of time that are just kind of like getting on with whatever else is going on in your life and kind of working through that stuff in the background and it's sort of I, i think it kind of works quite well at at kind of giving it that feel but also sort of knowing when to to blow things up again yeah i think that's really fair um it i maybe i'm a bit mean on it because i was so sort of ginned up reading it straight after a very positive review that then it's a case of like oh this is only very good (laughs) which is strange to say but yeah i'm still extremely interested in see what else the author does um i still found it interesting i still think you could totally adapt it um into a movie quite handily given the amount of material there um get on it mario carter uh, we already invoked your name previously um you got to do it now surely if you stand in front of a mirror and say mario carter three times something something crying yeah, um, that, that 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 would be nice because yeah, like it. I mean, again, just kind of visually, like the the way that series looks and frames itself, like it, it feels like it's it's almost storyboarded to be a film in a lot of places already. So yeah, I would definitely be on board for that. Totally. So yeah, have you got anything else to mention about the Golden Sheep? Uh, no, no, I think I think that is everything. Yep. Cool. So yeah, that's um, the Golden Sheep volumes two and three, closing it out. And so moving on to the main part of the episode, do you mind if I could take the lead, Andy, on this one? No, you go um, for it. You you have a a, a blockbuster in its, in its own right here. So. Yeah, true. So I picked Villain Saga Volume 1. Um, it's by Makoto, Makoto Yukimura, who, like, even in his first volume at the end, is receiving an award in silly cosplay. Um, well regarded. Um, it's a historical manga set around the, well, the 1000 um pre um 1066 um norse and england sort of uh, environs and it uh it's published by kodansha um it's currently available in 11 omnibus editions which are basically two volumes stuck together it's hardback um physically and it's available digitally as well and it's currently 22 23 volumes in japan it's not complete it's ongoing i think there was a news story about it get reaching towards an end um i saw semi recently i believe on ann so we'll see if that actually happens um, but Vinman Saga, as mentioned, is set in the era of Vikings um, towards the end of their kind of, I suppose, reign of terror, quote unquote, at least from our point of view as Englishers <laughs> sat on the British Isles. Um, and it picks up um, with a character, main character called Thorfinn, who is a scruffy looking ragamuffin who is um, part of an army belonging to a mercenary leader called Arsglad or Ashlad, I believe I've been corrected with the pronunciation. And they are helping out a frog-looking dude who is like a Frankish um, princeling or duke or whatever, who is besieging another Frankish um, princeling or duke. And this is kind of your like 
you know, initial startup, introduce you to the characters, show what they're all about, what Ashlad's Ashlad's all about, and then you get the flashback where it immediately then berserk style flashes back to the origin story of Thorthin, who is your main character, and it goes into his humble beginnings, listening to Leif Erikson, the intrepid explorer who reputedly reached the Americas, and his life on Iceland. And um, his real big beefy Batman dad, um, Thor's, who one day um, a former friend or like compatriot of Thor's turns up and goes, hey, motherfucker, we found you. You got to go back to war and we know you're super good at it. Um, Otherwise, well, goodbye to all your nice, peaceful post-war life. Um, and that's kind of the introduction introducing, well, it's the setup showing what happens to, um, Thorfinn's dad, um, nothing good. You can probably guess, um, from the Batman comparison and basically how Thorfinn fell into a life of being like a weird vengeful sellsword attached to Ashlad's, um, little band of, um, opportunistic rogues and sort of just freelancers basically, although this was before the term freelancers existed and, that's kind of where it goes from there. This is all, this is kind of set up this volume. And by the end of this first volume, you have reached the end of the prologue and the like um, flashback. Cause I, after reading this, if it's any indication, I devoured the ever loving crap out of the rest of it. Um, I'm up to volume seven at the moment because I got 10 volumes of it in a humble bundle a while ago. Some of you listening might have done the same, but Vinland Saga is enjoyable because it kind of falls into this nice um, historical fiction realm where it doesn't let um, the actual directed history get in the way of good story, but it also doesn't allow a good story to run roughshod over the politics and the actual like history that's being shown. It feels like a really good version of a historical podcast, but in manga form. Um, it's very dynamic. It's got some sweet action scenes. Um, it's got some near inhuman, again, Batman style stuff from big old, um, Thorfinn. And it's got a lot of good attention to detail in terms of clothing, weaponry, um, swords and, uh, armor, especially heraldry, etc. And so it's really engrossing and drags you straight in. Um, you also have, as mentioned, Thor's, um, um, Thorfinn's sweet dad who has, clearly like he reminds me of like a kojima character from metal gear solid series where he is the one who has seen past the war and like knows the reality of what's beyond but what he has seen and has come to realize is beyond the ken of mere mortals and he can't really explain it directly although he tries to more than once and of course unsurprisingly the lessons he passes down to thorfinn are the kind that are like little seeds that hatch over the storyline. And even in this first volume, he comes to realize that, ah, shit, my dad was right, but how the fuck was I supposed to know? Because I was a kid and an idiot and I wanted to swing a sword around. And yeah, it's really enjoyable, really well um, drawn, really beautiful artwork, really intense fights, um, really engrossing action and sort of character moments. Like at one point in the flashback, I thought they were quote unquote going to get away with it. But then I remembered, oh no, it's a flashback. And then boop, oops, oh well. There we go. And so, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, Unsurprisingly, as I'm still continuing to read it, it's really engrossing. It's got a massive, really fun pace to it. Um, It, it's kind of revels and it kind of enjoys the time it's set in, but also doesn't go full on apologia or like, yes, isn't this awesome? Mankind was unchained. Like it's very much a case of like, Hey, this is how society is arranged and you can judge it and that's fine. But characters are going to do what characters need to do in this time. 
and you might think it sucks and it does suck and the characters think it sucks as well but this is the world they live in especially because there's a lot of slavery going around and of course unsurprisingly Thorfinn's dad is a cool dude who will give away half of his family wealth to save a dying slave because that's how cool he is um and that's why he's too beautiful for the world um but yeah that's um my kind of stand up sort of pitch um for vinland saga is yeah it was super enjoyable and i can see why people didn't like this series and why when kadansha made veil threats about cancelling it because sales weren't that good everyone lost their minds because what the hell um i haven't watched the anime i know there is an anime adaptation i'd love to see some parts of this animated because i'm sure that's um to use a phrase dope but yeah andy did, what did you think of this did this um get up to the same high standards as i i felt it deserves um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, like by the time I got to the end of this first volume, I could totally see why you were already binging through the rest. Like, this is definitely a series that kind of it, it always sort of incessantly just demands that you read more of it, and and it's kind of interesting for me because like my prior experience with Vinland Saga is that anime adaptation, which you know I enjoyed, but it wasn't. It was never one of those shows that was just the kind of like checking my watch, like open oh, your episodes out in like ten minutes. I can't wait, kind of thing. It was one of those shows that you know I'd watch it, maybe not even week on week, but you know I'd keep up with it, but I wouldn't be kind of red hot to to watch new episodes. Not because it was like not particularly interesting. It was just like it was good. It was solid. It had some cool moments, but it never kind of completely sort of grabbed me massively. Whereas somehow in this presentation, I just found it to be way more compelling. Like I think it's maybe just that at least in part that the art style of this manga is just so so good and i don't think the anime as good looking as it was really manages to to do justice to kind of the sheer scope and scale and variety of this series like i i can't think of many other series that managed to kind of so seamlessly blend the sort of feeling of kind of like realism and the sort of historical elements of this that are clearly kind of quite well researched with sort of real cartoonish moments like you know some of the characters like that guy you mentioned right at the start of, in that kind of initial kind of flash forward is just like you know a complete cartoon character but but somehow it manages to kind of take that stuff and layer it into you know what is quite a kind of visceral sort of you know worlds and it makes both sides of that work and it, it can leap between kind of comedy and violence and drama and it manages to do all of that just so effortlessly that it's kind of insane totally um i definitely agree with you on the art i think one thing in particular it does amazingly well which makes sense for the time period is that like standardized arms and armor are not the order of the day like generally you'll have your family heirlooms or whatever you can scrounge up or seed off the battlefield etc and so everyone's equipment even the more sort of organized militaries is highly like you know heterogeneous where you know spears aren't the same length swords aren't the same designs like shields are whatever you have and that sort of stuff is most likely i would bet a pain in the ass to draw because you've got to do a lot more effort into it to like you can't just control c control v the same the same model you've got to properly develop it give people their own sick beards um and one thing that also helps is all of it looks grubby and worn in like relatably you know, like armor doesn't quite fit right. Some of it's a bit beaten up, like they've clearly patched it up. Thorfinn is, like I say, a ragamuffin, like dude's hair is probably a complete nightmare to draw because he always looks like he just rolled out of a hay bale. 
which honestly he probably has so not too surprising there but like the sheer amount of detail even just put into making his hair look grubby without just slapping a screen tone over the top of it is frankly wild um and that is a continual thing um is like you look at it and go damn this took you a long time because you drew this with care and intent so it's real wild like that yeah and I, i think like that opening chapter is actually a really a really good compelling introduction to like all of that and more besides because like right from the off you know you've got this kind of big you know standoff this kind of siege of a castle then you kind of have the the big action scenes with Ashlad etc uh, like you know coming in to sort of you know have this this grand plan to sort of break this siege and, and kind of you know break down the the front door basically uh, which also then in turn has some kind of really good smarts kind of set piece like oh this is really cool like really smart kind of plotting moments it has some really good character moments it has some really good comedy moments and you kind of like even from that first chapter I was kind of I I went almost instantly from like man this is a lot of pages to read this is going to take me a while to like oh this is not going to take me long because I'm just going to sit here and devour this thing yeah, it reminds me, like, I think I mentioned this already, but it reminds me of Berserk in a way, where that first chapter is the, like, boom, here is the series about the setup. Here is what you need to know. Here is the main characters and their plights. And then it, you know, as I say, it immediately then does the backstory fill-in, which thankfully does not take that long. <laughs> it takes the rest of the volume, but then that is itself very interesting and helps el- elaborate on the world. Um, so also less laborious than Berserk, um, I must say. But yeah, it, it really helps set it up. And also it sets up all the different like character dynamics, especially between Ashlad and Thorfinn, which is a fascinating little um, thing, which unsurprisingly continues for most of the rest of the, vol- the series that I've read so far. So there's a lot of that to look forward to. Ashlad is a really fascinating character who initially, well, especially the first volume, are like, man, this guy's a prick. And yeah, he never really stops being a prick, but you find out a lot more about him, which is cool. Yeah, and um, and and also like in Ashley's case, he's kind of a marvelous prick. Like he's one one of the other me. one of the other great things this kind of series does, like right from the get go, is it kind of introduces these characters that are kind of detestable and and kind of you know immoral or at the very least amoral and kind of makes you want to root for them like you know again right from that initial chapter you're like oh this this guy is you know a a jerk and not to be trusting etc etc but also from that first chapter you're just like man i hope he does all right because he's kind of like you know it's it's hard not to kind of gravitate towards him mostly because he also kind of you know screws over like the the rich and, and wealthy who are just looking to screw over other people as well but it's just like there there is something about that character that it's it's very easy to to kind of get behind and cheerlead even though you know you probably shouldn't um and i think again that's something that extends out right across the cast here like all of the characters from kind of yeah even characters that don't have a, a massive amount of importance in this kind of first volume it's like um Torfin's sister who's just like a really great character whenever she kind of turns up on the page like she's she's not not of any massive importance to the, like the grand scheme of anything but she's just like a really great part of the sort of ensemble cast and there are so many good kind of just side characters who just really sort of elevate the whole thing there's a lot of very good dialogue a lot of very good kind of back and forth and all of that stuff like really helps as well because again i think one of the perhaps like preconceptions that 
you could easily have about the series is like, oh, it's just going to be like cool, violent action scenes and not a lot else. But actually, like the writing of this is really good from the get go as well. And like, you know, the characterization again, like, I mean, even Torfin's character, you know, on, on the surface, it's a pretty tried and trusted kind of like manga story of like a ah, kid wants revenge against somebody you know it's it's a vengeance story but there's so much kind of power and emotion and kind of like there's just so many layers behind that and you know even from this first volume before you really start to kind of get deeper into that like it's there's there's something really compelling about that as well yeah there's a stupidly large amount of stuff wrapped up in it um also one one thing about this series as well is that something i learned from reading the afterwards and the author has clearly put a lot of thought into it but it also um is kind of reliant it's well not reliant sorry what's the wrong word um it's based on like a real set of personalities from the era um in particular thorfinn who is based on like not directly but he is based on someone of the same name who was around um leif erickson's time and leif erickson i feel like although he's introduced as the like kindly um storytelling uncle with a peace pipe um he's kind of this um really fascinating north star in the series because he has you know reportedly according to his own stories been to the americas um and lives on greenland and has his own life and tales to tell and it's very much a case of like okay this guy is gonna be like a north he's like a load-bearing like chekhov's gun in a way where it's like okay something we have to get back to him at some point because this is too important or interesting to really leave undone or just there as a tease so you can tell that already from the start this is going to be a ranging story because you go from like you know iceland to um at that point france and it's already mentioned that it's going to be going to england and the dane law at some point so you get tons of interesting like scope for the political playground it wants to wants to dance around in yeah so it's yeah. real good fun in all of it yeah you, you you know you've got a story with scope when you have like multiple maps of europe it's <laughs> just like scattered throughout it it's like okay we're, we're gonna we're gonna go some places with this yeah those maps don't go anywhere in fact you, you don't see them more you see them once a volume basically and it is really helpful at times when you crack one open just to go like okay this is where everyone is right carry on and so it really helps keep everything kind of grounded and with the characters uh, but yeah i must admit as i say like i I've, I've mentioned before in lots of reviews and things that I, the one thing I dislike is when the writing or the art seems spiteful. Like it's like, ah, look at this awful, wretched garbage. Um, don't you love it? You hog. Whereas in this, it's very much a case of like, yep, there's slavery in this world. Yep. There's death in this world. Yep. St- like medical attention is dubious at best in this world. And that's just how it is. And, you know, aren't you glad you're with the guy who can hoodwink everyone else around him because you get to live for another day? Yeah. Um, and, and and I think that's also kind of one of the interesting things that I think is why I gravitated towards this more than the anime, because I feel like the anime has a bit more of an old school, like not so much in terms of the slavery and stuff like that. Like the story is as is, but like the depictions of violence in the anime, from what I recall, often felt far more lingering of like, ha look, that dude's got an ax in his eye. Isn't that cool? Kind of thing. Whereas this is, is very kind of matter of fact as you've kind of alluded to it's just like hey this is how combat was then and it doesn't really ever kind of linger on it in that kind of like wow isn't this cool like isn't this edgy kind of way it's just like now like people people are gonna lose limbs and eyes and stuff here it's this is just how it works yeah totally i mean like you you know we don't really you don't have the same techniques anymore to put people back together again so well uh but yeah as i say massive fan of this um 
it kind of, yeah, I won't talk too much about the uh, extended length of the series because in case you want to carry on as well, Andy, but I'll be mentioning it in a returning champions because, well, I've already read to volume seven. So there we are. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I, I'd, I'd be interested to, to hear kind of your, your thoughts on, on subsequent volumes, but yeah, it's definitely worth kind of segmenting that out. It's one of those ones. Like I, I definitely having read this one, I'm really keen to, to read more of it, but you know, there's, uh, these there's some big chunky tomes, even though like you can burn through them quickly. This might be a good kind of Christmas time off. Just like, yeah, maybe I'll just read lots of Vinland Saga or something. Yeah, I'd recommend that. I must admit, like it is, as you say, a massive page turner. And um, when I was kind of in the full swing of reading it, um, I had to like basically turn my tablet off on purpose because I would read through two of the omnibuses in a night and look up and it's 1am and it's like, ah, crap. <laughs> I, I didn't mean to do that, but I did because I was just all in and you know, I, it wasn't like I could just stop after a chapter because it's like, oh no, I, I got to keep reading. Like, it's not like it just purposefully, it doesn't like end on a perfunctory cliffhanger every chapter. It just has an amazingly good flow as well as cliffhangers to keep you just constantly chomping at it to just keep going. Like, I want to see what's over this, over, over this next bit. I want to see what's next. I want to see what's next. Like, you know, even, and thankfully there are some pretty good um, end of arc sections that then mean, okay, you can turn the tablet off and go to bed now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a really good pacing to it. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't have to play the kind of dirty trick of just like drop a big cliffhanger every chapter. It just, and again, partly because all of its kind of characters are so compelling and you just kind of want to keep, keep on going with, you know, what what their deal is and, and what's happening with them. But yeah, like it definitely, it, it was sort of that, that weird feeling when I got to the, the end of this first one, it was just like, is that it? And I'm like, wait, I've read just like you know, several hundred pages of this, but it just, it felt like, you know, it felt like so little it felt like i could easily go for another volume just like that plus like you know in hindsight you think okay i got all that but a lot of stuff happens like you go through a lot of places and a lot of stuff is said and done in the in that volume um even just in the like the flashback section um and then you know the end of this volume is kind of wild because as i say it's the potted introduction and like backstory and then from volume two on it's like right we're all set up we're off to the races and then it's just an unbroken line of crazy like good stuff from there so if there's a single you know discontinuity in a series it's the end of volume one so (laughs) which also again i think makes is why perhaps they made it an omnibus because it makes perfect sense to have this as one tome so you don't have this what weird incongruous jump in the middle yeah yeah i mean i almost can't imagine reading it in a kind of typical volume by volume sense having read it in this format like i'm sure it works just fine that way but uh yeah like it, it feels like it sort of it, it does actually benefit from from having kind of you know big gobs of it that you can can delve into rather than just you know 180 pages a, a hit totally so yeah it is like 400 and something pages i think i put the number down because i was i apologize to you after i chose this 472 <laughs> pages there you go yeah uh, and, and again I, I think that goes to show like, like just how much it kind of it exceeded my expectations because having watched the anime like i say and quite liked it i was still kind of like growing up like oh man this is a lot of manga to read that i'm probably gonna say like yeah it was okay but actually like it just grabbed me by the collar and just kind of dragged me along for the ride in, in a way that I was very much into. Yep, cool. I'm glad you liked it, um, especially because it was so bloody long. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. And as I say, like proof in the pudding, I'm still reading it. So uh, more to come on that in future episodes of Screen Tone Club. Um, unless you had anything else to mention, Andy? No, I think that's, uh, that's me on that one. 
yeah um, really really enjoyed it um especially i want to go back and just highlight one thing you mentioned andy is just the the realities of combat in the art are really good like the the actual just act of people fighting is real it's not just grim but it's also really fascinating just because it's like oh this is this is not just like a professional army this is people fighting for their lives like you can tell that quite a few are like either raiders or peasant levies and it's a case of like well stuck in this situation i can't really run because i'll get run do run down so here we go yeah and um, and, and it's also busy and chaotic as well like i feel like again as, as you said it, it it it's so easy for other series to, to maybe just go down like the copy paste route or just to try and keep things really limited and it's something like anime and manga both struggle with when you have these kind of you know the scale and scope of these things like how do you depict that without you know just destroying yourself trying to do so but this really does a good job of it like again that opening chapter is it really sets out its stall in a, in a way that I I wonder whether like the, the artist was just like oh god like why did I make this first chapter so good because now I have to live up to this over and over again because it just it is so it is just so kind of broad and there is just kind of so much to look at and it just feels it feels like you're kind of there in the moment in a sense because it just it just has this kind of energy to it that, that really kind of brings that across totally um one other thing i want to highlight about it which is going to sound weird but one thing i do appreciate about this series and the setting and also just how it sets itself up is that this is a less populated world like there are not as many like this sounds stupid again but like there are not many pe- as many people in the world at this state like agriculture could not sustain so many mouths and like it kind of explains a lot of the strife that happens is that like and also just the the warring that happens is oh there's only so much wealth to go around we have social and like practical structures which are forcing this and like the greed of the frog dude but also just people wanting to eat um the people on iceland on iceland in particular it shows you their kind of hard scrabble life and it's just not as many people like individual metropolitan areas are not so occupied or built up or dense or just populous and it it really brings that across without just having to tell you this is how many people are here like it really works. Um, something I did appreciate and put me really in the moment was just it expressing that and getting that across to me. Um, yeah, and I, I think all of that kind of historical stuff as well is is kind of interesting because series have a tendency to either kind of just like throw that stuff at you kind of bodily of just like hey here are all these facts etc about this time and like you know here's your your random viking facts of the chapter kind of thing Uh, or or they just don't care and just go all in on the just kind of like hey here's the cool action and what have you like to, to hell with like how things actually were like this this does a really good job of kind of balancing that stuff so that if if you find yourself getting really fascinated by the historical stuff like it's kind of it's got stuff there for you to kind of take in and enjoy and ponder and then maybe go away and like learn more about. But also if you don't really care about that stuff and you're just in it for the story and characters, it has, it has your back on that side as well. Like I I feel like it's, it kind of, it it sort of treads that line really well between doing enough to, to have that sort of feeling of historical accuracy and stuff that you might want to go away and learn about. But also if you're just here for the ride, then cool, go, go for it as well. Totally. So yeah, I'll, but yeah, I just wanted to mention that because I thought that was really impactful in just how the series comported itself. Mm. So yeah, cool. Uh, anything else, Andy? Um, no. Second time so. <laughs> asking. <laughs> cool. So that's been Vinland Saga, um, volume one. And so moving on to your pick, Andy, something a lot more, um, well, 
restrained although it can be quite violent so <laughs> yeah yeah i mean in in a way the, the series that i picked is, is also about historical battles uh, that being the historical battles between the uh, pet owner and pets um because uh, yeah my choice for this uh, episode is uh, with a dog and a cat every day is fun uh, the first volume thereof. Um, this is also published by Kadansha. Uh, first volume is uh, out in English now, uh, but there are five volumes in Japan thus far. Uh, the author of this is uh, Hidekichi Matsumoto, who I believe is also the author of Sabage Boo. Yes, so that was actually the first thing I wanted to mention to you. I was waiting to drop that factoid on you as well. <laughs> yeah, which is like, it kind of it kind of makes sense, actually, when you kind of look at that sense of humour, but it did also make me think, like, man, nobody licensed that manga in English, did they? Where, no, they didn't. It's a shame, because that thing is just full of mania. Uh, yeah, yeah. Also, like, an anime series that really blew up for people like at the time, and I've not heard anybody mention in quite a while until I said it just now. So. I think it burnt everyone out, because because it was just too wild. Um, yeah, it was it was too much. Uh, but anyway, so uh, yeah, with a dog and a cat, every day is fun. Is kind of a, a, a an autobiographical tale from uh, from the author of uh, everyday life with a dog and a cat, where every day is mostly fun, but not entirely. It seems like there's some some stresses involved as well. Um, it, it kind of gets into a rhythm and then just sticks with it pretty doggedly. Excuse the pun throughout. Like it, it's it's its cadence is very much like excitable dog gets excited and does things cat either comes in to, to to ruin the fun or just kind of like looks disapprovingly at the whole thing going on because it's far too aloof for that kind of stuff cue kind of like actual real life picture of author's cat kind of looking grouchy chapter ends it all happens again um and uh i don't know it, it's it's enjoyable in in the end like a I feel like it's this is one of those series like where for the first few chapters I was like, oh man, this feels like it's just gonna kind of get repetitive pretty quickly because it, it becomes very clear like what's the what the kind of setup and payoff is gonna be for every single chapter. But it somehow does just enough and has just enough kind of enthusiastic charm that I just kind of enjoyed it throughout the volume. Uh, like I don't know if I'd be in for kind of reading all of the future volumes of of this, but as as a kind of single volume and it's you know pretty self-contained, it doesn't have any massive overarching narrative or anything. Like I don't know, I, I had a, I had a good time with that. I had a I had some some good laughs. The 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 main kind of like dog and cat and kind of seeing them seeing the kind of like real life photos of them as well. I think all kind of helped to accentuate the fact that like yeah this is just a bunch of kind of anecdotes of living with a couple of pets um and so i kind of came away from it just with a, a decent smile on my face of just like yeah that was pretty sweet and cute and uh, i i can totally kind of uh, I, I i can totally pick up what the author is putting down in terms of like being the crazy animal person that would rather spend their time with pets than anybody else yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I mean, I must admit, with the pacing, I was the same. Where the first like third of it, I was like, "Man, this is this is basically a copy paste." But then it kind of fell into its own strange, irregular rhythm. Where I was like, "Okay, no, this feels like a much more complete work. Like it wants to explore about these animals. It wants to show you um, why they're fun, and it wants to do that more than just you know throw oversized four panel manga at you uh, that took two pages instead." Um, the real life cat photo at the end was always funny because it felt like like this weird like end card almost so it was just like gong <laughs> like here's the punchline of this cat looking a bit miffed um reminded me of a mutual friend of ours dan and his 
Cat Rain, um, who is perhaps a bit more murderous than Neko is in this, but did make me think of her um, and how I have never once been able to pet her because no one can. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. If you're out there, Rain, um, keep doing what you're doing. But no, I, I enjoyed it. It, it. As you say, like it feels very much like a, a release valve manga for the author as they do other works. And also while they dote over their cat and dog who are, like one thing I did like is like by the end of this volume, I could totally picture them and their sort of voices, if that makes sense. Like I could totally see them and be like, yeah, this this sounds like a pair of animals that live alongside you. And you can totally tell like 400 stories about. Um, yeah. Because yeah. That's what this is made up of is, you know, the times your pet misses the frigging litter tray because they're dummies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, this did feel very much like those sort of, you know, mutual pet owner conversations that you tend to have like where your first port the, the first question you get asked is not like how are you but like how is insert pet here and you're like oh yeah like the other day and then you go straight into the anecdote and then they tell you their pet anecdote and you both laugh at the pet anecdotes and then you pull out your phones and compare pictures of pets and be like yeah they're all cute it's great yeah. Um, but yeah like I, I i feel like that's where the the real power move of of this this manga is like having the actual photos of, of the pets there as well because like i i feel like that really helps to to kind of close that distance between like okay like you know basically super deformed comic character animals that are kind of like yeah they're cute but they're just cartoon characters and then when you see kind of the real life equivalents and get some photos of them it sort of it really closes that distance to be like yeah okay i can like you say you can totally imagine the kind of real life personalities of these animals and you can kind of picture it all in your mind a lot better somehow from just having that kind of grounded point of reference totally the dog especially because as soon as you see a picture of a dog you're like oh yeah this explains a lot it's one of those dogs <laughs> yeah. um so yeah well whereas whereas neko i feel like gets a bit of short shrift of being like yeah you can't take good photos of him he always looks weird etc etc like no it's, it's a cute cat like what are you talking about it's great as someone who owns a cat and loves taking pictures of the cat the cat does not like the camera and so i got to be fucking stealth or just really lucky to take a good picture of her <laughs> like i think i mentioned on twitter like that you know one of the perils of being a, a, a pet owner is just constantly looking at your pet and wanting to take pictures of it forever and just going damn look at this pet like you know you your brain turns to mush maybe it's just those little parasites that cats give you in my brain or whatever yeah um, but but yeah i mean that 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 is kind of one of the the enjoying enjoyable kind of recurring gags in this of just like you know author tries to take cute pictures of cat but somehow in a way just comes out looking like weird or goofy or scary and it's just like yeah i took this picture and thought it was really cute and i showed my assistant and they, they thought it was terrifying yeah or just the cat wanting to turn around and show, show you its butt and it's like yeah, yeah thanks <laughs> Uh, but no, I, I enjoyed it because, it, as I say, it felt like a release valve manga in the the art style being very scrappy, but also very, very earnest and sort of, I don't know, it felt very warm in a way, which sounds dumb, but it felt very much like this is how my dog looks like in my mind's eye because it's this weird bundle of ears and stuff and a tongue somewhere. And this is how they look to me. Um and so it works, as I say, as a release valve manga of just like, yep, I do have a manga. I get in the dumps sometimes, but I have my cat and my, my dog and my cat here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it works. I'm interested to watch the anime because I want to see how they kind of voice and animate all that. Yeah, um, I, I feel like, I mean, from, from what I've watched of the anime thus far, like, obviously, it's just short episodes of like a, a couple of minutes. So they basically just like take a chapter and animate it, which... I, 
is probably the sensible way to do that, but I'm not sure like it really kind of works when you just have those very small doses of it like that. Like I, this definitely feels like it works better in kind of manga form, and I, I think it works better when you just kind of you know get get a, a constant drip feed of of that stuff. Um, but yeah, like I, I definitely agree with you that part of me was almost like expecting this to feel like a, like oh like you know lots of, of manga about cute pets are selling well this is like my cash in because hey i've got a cat and a dog but it does feel really genuine and earnest and there's some some really quite like poignant little moments like there's a little bit towards the end where she like talks about like her former cat that passed away and kind yeah, of, i was about like, to mention it myself yeah that, that is like a really kind of like quite deep and impactful moment that just kind of always comes out of nowhere in the midst of, of all this comedy of just kind of like reminiscing about like how she sort of remembers kind of like you know the, the final days of her elderly cat versus how how other people remember her and, and it kind of like you know resets her own thinking about it and there's there's a similar kind of point in uh the, the latest episode of the anime that they clearly pulled from a later volume where she's just like talking to a, da- a taxi driver who's just like you know talking about his yeah, it's about his cat, and it's just like, oh, like, you know, she just has this real observation about, like, how clearly, like, they were just, like, a perfect partnership because he's, like, you know, talking about, like, oh, yeah, like, you know, my cat was weird because X and Y, and it was just, like, it, it has those, it's nice that it has those really kind of touching and kind of thoughtful little moments in the midst of all just the, like, yeah, my dog and cat did goofy things today. Yeah, or I did goofy things and a dog and cat didn't really care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It has the most important joke about cats, which is I bought my cat some toys, but they didn't give a fig and they played with this fucking piece of cardboard <laughs> for some reason. So the eternal cat story of the toy they want is not the toy you get. So, yeah, but no, it's it's good fun. As you say, like, I, as someone who recently went through some old photos and found pictures of my previous cats, it was very much a case of like, yeah, this chapter is entirely true. And yeah, works really well. So, yeah, I've, as I say, it was it felt really nice and it felt like a real sort of just internal outlet for maybe this is where all the nice parts go instead of in sabagebu who knows <laughs> yeah yeah po- possibly but yeah like it's it's all those little moments kind of quite uh quite enjoyable like there's, there's another one where she kind of like talks about a sort of how she's, she's always been kind of crazy about animals and just uh, assumed as i think a lot of us do that just like yeah sure, everybody loves animals everybody loves pets and then just like yeah i know people were just like why you know why why were you always pet monitor at school like that's a pain in the ass it's like why, why would you not want to do that yeah yeah <clears throat> i remember once meeting a friend's dad who was like oh i hate cats just want to drop kick them i'm like you are not a human yeah you are, you are a troll in human skin what is this um but yeah it's it was good fun i'm i'm glad it, it was certainly a much lighter fare after vindland saga also um a lot less pages and also a lot easier to sort of burn through yeah Sorry. yeah it's, it's definitely kind of a short and sweet read like and it's it's easy to just pick up and put down whenever because like you say it's basically an extended four panel manga for the most part where you know it's, it's four pounds spread over a few pages basically yeah. um but yeah like it's it's enjoyable like i i don't I don't know whether it has enough for me to kind of go and, and read any future volumes, but I certainly wouldn't be against it. Probably one of those kind of like, hey, if it's cheap in a sale, I'll maybe pick up some more of it and just kind of enjoy it that way. Because uh, it feels like, you know, something that I, I will definitely enjoy if I get around to more of it. But, you know, in, in in times where there are lots of other things to do and read, it's it's maybe not kind of going to be the one thing that grabs me. 
Yeah, I must admit, like I bought it from Google Play Books because it was the cheapest place I could find it, but it was still on the pricier side of manga. Um, so especially from Bookwalker, it was a case of like, man, this standard pricing is a bit rough here. So as you say, I'll probably wait for it to go on sale and maybe just pick it up to then read at my leisure when I need it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was good stuff. Um, glad I glad I had the time to read it. Yeah. And is there anything else to mention about it, Andy? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. I mean, you know, the the, the art style is very kind of stylized and, and cartoony, but like is exactly what it needs to be without being kind of crazy in any particular senses. And um, yeah, it just, it, it kind of hangs together pretty nicely. Yep, yep. Cool. So, um, and as always with Kodansha, there'll be a free chapter available to read on their web, web viewer on their site. So you can always check it out there, see if it's agreeable. Cool. So moving on to what we're talking about next episode. So I've picked something which is currently on sale, um, although probably won't be by the time this comes out. So apologies for everyone. But I have picked volume one of Sleepy Princess in the Demon Castle. Um, how about you, Andy? Uh, yeah. So my pick for the next episode is uh, Kizumi Ken, Can't You Read the Room? Volume one, um, which uh, <laughs> I picked purely because I saw it by chance and Yen Press's description of it is if you like Monthly Girls and Zaki-kun, you'll like this. And because marketing works, um, I was like, okay, I should read that then. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are the marketing person among the pair of us, so you'd know. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, actually, I've had this in my like my um, library for a while, but I've never really felt an overpowering urge to read it until you mentioned that just now. So, I yeah, it does work. Damn it. Yeah, um, I mean, if, 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 if anything is going to sell me on reading stuff, it's like, yeah, you know, this is this is something that you'll like if you like Nozaki-kun. And it's like, well, sold. Fans of the genre. Um, yeah. <laughs> sorry. Uh, so yeah got those to the next episode and so moving into close down uh, you can find um, uh, this current podcast and all the previous episodes on screentone.club our website if you like the podcast please consider telling a friend about it word of mouth is still the easiest best fastest most organic way for podcasts to grow and take over the world um ratings and reviews are always liked but um don't feel you have to don't feel obliged um if you'd like you can sign up to our patreon where you get bonus episodes the ability to vote on said bonus episodes and maybe even a shout out at the start of the show like mr rob jessup who i have now shouted out twice which is perhaps too many sorry rob and you can also follow us on twitter at screen tone club or one word and myself i'm elliot page you can find me at elliot page on twitter where i am mostly posting about um taking over the world as italy and posting pictures of my adorable cat and how about you andy uh yeah you can find me not doing either of those things um but uh, i'm sure i'll be doing something on my twitter um at hannah's 1979 join me andy i'll give you an army we can take over the balkans <laughs> I, I mean i i'm not i'm not ready to take charge of italy just yet to be fair, I'm supposed to be running Italy, and I can't. I'm not very good at it either. So you know, I mean, it, it seems it seems hard, like judging by history and you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, well, can't do any worse than actual historical um, characters in Italy. Let's face <laughs> it. Oh dear, outperforming Mussolini, very, very easy. So, um, thank you very much for listening. And um, this has been me, Elliot Page, my lovely co-host, Mr. Andy Hanley. Yeah, and thanks very much, everyone. Bye, everyone. <laughs>